Welcome. It's so good to see everyone here this morning and uh, especially wonderful to have a number of guests with us online. And uh, we just appreciate this opportunity uh, in this season of COVID to be able to have services like this. And so thank you all for joining us this morning. I'm just thinking about uh, life and uh, life as a journey. Uh, it begins at birth and we travel through to death. In that journey, there are all kinds of twists and turns and ups and downs. There are wonderful parts of the journey. There are parts that are, are full of joy and, and, and satisfaction. There are also some very painful times. There are scary parts. There are exciting times, like as, as if you would be going down a giant roller coaster, uh, that uh, in, enjoyment or fear or excitement. Uh, there are some dead ends in this whole thing as well. And uh, there are people that we meet along the way and we uh, enjoy journeying with others uh, through different circumstances. And sometimes it's stressful and sometimes it's painful and sometimes it's just absolutely wonderful. And here's the thing, I found that uh, around the river bend, sometimes we have surprises that we could never have imagined. Right now we're in the middle of one of those surprises. Who would have dreamed that our world would have been turned absolutely upside down? Who would have believed that people would be, uh, over a million people would be laid off? Who would believe that thousands would die all around the world uh, of this virus? And uh, that we would be locked in our homes and uh, hold up here, that we would be fighting this pandemic. Uh, that there would be no sports, no, uh, no entertainment. Uh, this has certainly been a different time. And who would have thought that we would be doing a virtual Easter last week? None of us saw that coming. And when we think about life's journeys uh, from a spiritual perspective, uh, we, re we realize uh, that there are some distinctive features of journeying through life as a believer in Jesus Christ. And our journey is traveled, the scripture tells us, by faith. The whole of our Christian journey is actually one of faith. And, and all, uh, in all of life, Christians are called uh, to uh, live a life of faith. Faith is absolutely pervasive in our world. In fact, in the New Testament, over 240 times faith is referenced. I guess God thought it was pretty important. In this, he, he tells us that it's our means of salvation, for instance. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Our salvation is by faith. Our means of attaining righteousness is by faith. Uh, what we need is righteousness. What we don't have is righteousness. God is looking to us to have that, and none of us have it. And, and God demanded that of us. But listen to what it says in Romans 1, verses 17. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it was written, the righteous shall live by faith. Uh, righteousness is dependent upon faith. Uh, 
Uh, it's the very mode by which we are to live our lives. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and verse 7, it says this, For we walk or live, in other words, we walk by faith, not by sight. Isn't that interesting? We're called to live a life where we walk not by what we can see visually, but by faith in God. And it's our means of pleasing God. In uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says this, And without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. If you want to be pleasing to God, you need to, uh, uh, you need to put your faith in Him. You need to walk by faith, because without faith, we can't please God. We need to understand that He seeks us in that way. Well, what is faith? I want to give you a number of words that will help you to understand the concept about faith. Faith is trust. It's belief. It's conviction. It's certainty. It's assurance. It's confidence. It's hope. All of these uh, explain or, or help us to understand something about what faith is. These all reflect that. Faith is, according to Hebrews 11 verse 1, it's the confidence of attaining what is hoped for and the assurance of receiving what is not seen. Do you, did you see what he said there? It's a confidence that we have that we'll attain something that we're, we hope for. It's an assurance of receiving something that we have not seen. Here's, here's, what, here's what the writer says. Now, faith is a confidence of what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Well, that includes God, because in John 1 verse 18, it says, No one has ever seen God. So we re rely on God. The confidence that we have is in seeing and be believing in something that we cannot see with our eyes. It's grounded, secondly, in the belief in the existence of God and His willingness to respond favorably to those who earnestly are seeking Him. In Hebrews 11, uh, verse 6 again, we says, And without faith it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those that earnestly seek Him. God wants us uh, to please Him, we have to believe in His existence. We have to believe that He's good for His Word. We've got to believe that He's good to, uh, for His promises and, and the things that He's told us and that we live in light of that. It's the strong commitment we have in, in our belief in God existing and God being responsive to us and to our needs and to our uh, coming to Him for what we need. Uh, he'll be responsive to that. Well, thirdly, it's generated through the, re, uh, the reception of the Word of God. Uh, the question is, how do, we, how do we get faith? How does faith come? Well, Romans 10, 17 says this, Faith comes by hearing, that's hearing the message, and hearing it by the Word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing. Uh, we say that because uh, in the early times in the New Testament, uh, people didn't have a copy of the Bible. Uh, those were uh, rare and, and far and few between. And so what they heard most often was they heard the message proclaimed audibly. 
And so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Um, and, and next, uh, faith is, uh, so, so it's through the message of Jesus that we hear it, that faith is birthed. And we need to remember that Hebrews tells us that God has spoken in many ways. In Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, it says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days He's spoken to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, God has spoken. God has revealed Himself to us. And He wants us to respond to that. In, in believing in Him and walking with Him. Well, also, I want to say this, that both faith and hope actually have a shelf life. Uh, they don't go on forever. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, it says, For we live or we walk by faith, not by sight. Why did he say this? Uh, because there will be, a, in this era, we're reliant on God. We're reliant on His Word coming to us. We, we need to believe that which we can't see. So we walk by faith, not by sight. But there's coming a time when God takes us home, when we, leave, we end our earthly pilgrimage and journey here, that we will no longer require faith because our faith will be realized. We'll see Christ. We'll see God face to face. Uh, faith becomes unnecessary because of this, and so does hope. In Romans 8, verse 24, it says this, In this we hope uh, we're, we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what they already have? He says, when you, when you leave this planet, when we go to be with Him, we will understand uh, everything we will no longer need to be hoping for something that is yet future because it will be realized. When I was a young man, I had the privilege of purchasing a semi-concert grand piano. I was so excited about that thing coming and the anticipation of it. I was, I was waiting, waiting, waiting for it to, to come and to arrive. After it came and it was all set up and I was able to play it, I no longer hoped for a piano because the piano was there. It's the same way. And there's another aspect of this in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13. This special love chapter in the Bible, singing the glories of, of uh, love and the importance of love. And here's what the Apostle Paul wraps up this chapter with. He says this, speaking about that, these three remain, these three virtues remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, why would he say that? Why would he say that, that the greatest is love? Because hope and faith have a shelf life. We'll no longer need them anymore. But love will continue on through all of eternity. That's it. And faith. Next, I want you to understand that faith always has an object. I think sometimes people think of Christians as people of faith that are, are, are maybe uh, intellectually not as savvy. They, they're, they're, uh, they don't know. They're, they're not as rational somehow. But listen, faith is not something that uh, is kind of this airy-fairy notion of nothing, of hoping uh, or, or without any kind of reason. Um, faith always has an object. 
Faith is always put into something. In, in the original language, you, faith would be into the Word of God. The faith would be into or in Christ. And so uh, when we think about that, it's not that our faith is not rational in some way. This is not a blind leap of faith. Um, God has spoken to us. It's not anti-intellectual at all. It is that God has, uh, has communicated with us and we respond that way. And there are all kinds of rational arguments for the existence of God. There are rational arguments uh, for the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uncontrovertible proof historically. But with any of these, none of them can absolutely prove that God exists or that the re resurrection took place. Ultimately, we accept and believe this by faith. And faith, I said, is into something. We put it into something. In Acts 16 and verse 31, it said this, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not have faith. It's, it's having faith in a person. It's having faith in the Word of God. In John 1, uh, verse 12, it says this, Yet to all who received Him, received Jesus, to those who believed Him, in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. You, he, they believed in his name. Their faith was in his name. <clears throat> and finally, I want to say that faith is always demonstrated. Faith is always demonstrated. Um, faith is, is uh, not something that is, uh, has no importance or impact in our lives or our attitude, or our behavior. Faith is not divorced from our lifestyle and, the, and how we uh, live our lives and what we, how we uh, flesh out what we believe. It's not detached from that. Um, it, rather, as one of our former prime ministers who uh, was uh, confessed to being a Catholic but hastened to say that it really didn't matter that his faith had no impact on his life in politics. It was something uh, kind of off, sequestered away from the rest of his life. Well, that's not what biblical faith is like. In James chapter 2 and verse 17, it says this, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Did you hear what he said? He said that faith, if it doesn't change your life, Faith, if it doesn't impact how you live your life. Faith, if it doesn't shape what you do with your life, is really dead. That's not the kind of faith that God is talking about. Faith is something that is living and active and alive. It's something that, that uh, will change the course of our life, that will guide and direct us, that we will submit ourselves to what God says uh, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll show by our lifestyle the, the uh, nature of our faith. Now, in saying that, every one of us exercise faith every single day of our life. Uh, you, you get up and go to the tap and drink a glass of water. You do that with faith that it's, uh, it's not tainted, it's not contaminated, it's safe, you can drink it. Um, you, we, when we think of uh, sitting in a chair, when you pull up to your uh, to your kitchen table and sit down in the chair. You don't 
stop and think, I wonder if it's going to hold me. Well, at least I hope you don't. Uh, you don't have a chair like that. You automatically put your faith and trust in that chair to sit down. When you turn your key in the ignition of your car, you anticipate that it will go. And if it doesn't, I'm, I'm sorry for, you need a new car. Um, if, you, if you hop on a plane, you expect to get to your destination. If you go in for surgery, uh, you, you anticipate that the surgeon will be competent and do a good job and everything will be fine. Um, you see, faith, uh, faith in this way, we all, uh, we all are, are using faith all the time. We, uh, what we want to do is understand and grow in our faith in this journey by looking at the life of one of the heroes of the faith. Uh, this is a man who is uh, a man of faith. He was the father of God's people, his, his race, the Jews. Uh, he was uh, uh, called on three occasions the friend of God. He's a model of faith uh, in spite of some of the warts in his life. And he is revered by the Jews, uh, Christians, and Muslims. The person I'm talking about, of course, is Abraham, the patriarch. And we want to look at the life of Abraham. Abraham. It is uh, predominant not only in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. He is featured over and over again. And so as we talk about this journey of the life of faith, uh, we want to see how that journey begins as we look at the life of Abraham. Abraham came from Ur of the Chaldees, a present-day Iraq. He came uh, from a well-to-do family. He comes from a pagan, idol-worshipping background. Uh, he lived in a world-class cosmopolitan city with all it had to offer. Uh, so Abraham was no worshipper of the Lord God. He was steeped in paganism, in the culture of his day. Well, How do you, how do you get from there to being the father uh, of faith? Uh, I want to suggest to you, uh, as we go here, that where it does is uh, in this journey of faith, it all begins with God. It starts with God. God initiates. Abraham doesn't know God, but God knew Abraham. God has an encounter with Abraham. We don't know how he did it. We don't know. We're not told that, but we're told that God spoke to Abraham. I want to tell you that it always starts with God. It always starts with God, out of our lack of knowledge, uh, out of our ignorance. Uh, he encounters the living God. In Genesis 12, 1 to 3, God reveals himself and speaks to him. Go, God says to Abraham, go, leave your country, leave everything that is familiar to you, leave your people, your clan, your family. Everything that you know, everything that you have, uh, have uh, lived and, and experienced in your life, I want you to leave that all behind. Now, can you imagine uh, if your husband or your wife came home and said, God spoke to me and we're to leave and to go to a place where he'll show us. Uh, we've got to leave our family. We've got to leave our community. We've got to leave our culture. 
We've got to leave our clan. Uh, we've got to leave all of that and go to a place where God wants us to go. I mean, you'd, you'd have to wonder whether this was some kind of a, a kook. Uh, how, did, how did your wife or how did your husband come up with this? And, uh, and this is the place that uh, Abraham has been put in. He, he, he didn't, he was a, uh, God told him what he wanted him to do. And it was huge. It was something that, uh, uh, how, do you, how do you wrap your mind around that? He said that he would make us into a great nation. He would bless us, that he, our name would be great, and we would be a blessing to others. He would bless those who bless us. He would curse those who curse us. And, and, and the capstone of this all was this, all people of the earth would be blessed through him. Abraham didn't realize what he, what he was getting into. He didn't realize how huge this was. He didn't realize that it was God's plan to fix this broken world, that God would take and, and choose this man who had been just a pagan idol worshiper and, and reveal himself to him and make this promise of what he would do for him. Now, when you're reading the scripture, the first two chapters of Genesis are, are a wonderful recap of the creation that God had done. We, things go very much south in chapter 3 of Genesis with Adam and Eve sinning, being banished from the garden, from the introduction of sin and death into the world, uh, the, the terrible uh, experience with their two sons where Cain killed Abel. As things go on, it just gets worse and worse. When we get to Noah, God, things are so bad that God is going to eradicate all the people in the world through a global flood. And uh, we get out of that and uh, we replenish the earth and go to refill the earth and what God had called the people to do, they refused to do. Uh, they were to spread out and, uh, and uh, fill the earth. And instead, they kept together and they sought to build a tower that would reach to heaven in their own arrogance against God. And, and so we've got just nothing but trouble all the way until God is going to do something incredible through Abraham. He's going to bring a nation into existence. He's going to bring a people into existence. He's going to uh, uh, give them a land to inhabit. And he's, uh, most of all, he's going to make them a blessing to all nations of the world. That God would begin his wonderful work uh, of redemption to change the, the terrible course of life uh, that uh, had been lived up to this time. Well, Abraham believed God and acted upon it. But he, he understood, he, God always has a plan. He invited this uh, pagan idol worshiper to be a part of his plan. God always has a plan. It's always about God's plan. Jeremiah the prophet would say in Jeremiah 1, 4, and 5, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He didn't even know what was going, but God had a plan for his life before he was ever born, before he was ever thought about. And God has a plan for your life too. 
I don't know whether you've sought that plan for your life. I don't know whether you are following God's plan, but He has a plan for our life. Incredibly, uh, when we think about being invited into this uh, journey with God, um, in, in the Ephesians 1 and 4, it says this, For He, that is God, chose us in Him, in, that is in Jesus, God chose us in Jesus before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. Did you get that? God chose you to be one of His children. Before the creation of the world, He looked down in time. He saw you. He set His love upon you. He chose you and invited you to come and journey with Him. And Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Did you hear that? Jesus said, You didn't choose me. I chose you. I don't know about you, but, but when I think about my coming to faith in Christ or other people coming to faith in Christ and how it happened, uh, what was it that was happening in their life? Did they go to a, a meeting? Did a friend share the gospel with them? Um, was it the influence of uh, certain circumstances? Uh, how, did, how did you come to put your faith in Jesus Christ? How did you enter into this relationship? Well, whatever, whenever we tell the story, we tell it from a really a human uh, perspective. What we did and what happened to us and what we don't realize is that God was doing that. God was working toward that end. God had already chosen us before even the creation of the world. We didn't realize it was God. In Romans 10 and verse 20, it says this, I was found, God says, I was found by those who didn't seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. <laughs> we can't take credit for this. God initiated the whole thing. In Romans 3 and 10, it said, There's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one that understands. There's no one who seeks God. We weren't seeking God. We weren't, we weren't looking for Him. He came looking for us. And if you're a believer, you're a believer because God opened your heart and brought you to Himself. Jesus would say this about his message in Luke 19 and verse 10. He said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. It was his initiative all the way. And it's only by his grace. It's only by his favor. So Abraham's journey begins with God revealing himself to Abraham, speaking to him, inviting us, inviting him to embark on an incredible faith journey together. But it's going to take something more. It will require a response to God. Faith always asks for a response from us to God. In, in Genesis chapter 12 and verses 4 to 8, uh, Abraham responds to God. I love verse 4. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. God said, go. As crazy as that whole notion, that whole idea seemed, God said, go. And when we get to verse 4, Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Look at, here's a 75-year-old man. He'd been getting his uh, pension check for 10 years at that point. His wife was 60, uh, 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 65. 
and uh, uh, Sarah, and they had his deceased brother's son with them, Lot. They've been traveling hundreds and hundreds of kilometers uh, to this place where God would show them. God led them to Canaan, and there he said uh, in this uh, faith pilgrimage um, that, that he was going to give them that land as well. So faith in this pilgrimage is trusting God. It's believing. It's responding to what he said in faith. Walking by faith, not by sight. Walking on, on the basis of what God said, not what, what our intuition says or what we think we should do. And uh, in two places here, Abraham sets up an altar, a place of worship. He acknowledges God as his God. He worships him. He submits himself to him. And he calls on the name of the Lord. God added this land on top of all the other blessings that he would pour out on him. What an incredible launch to walk with God on a journey with him. Have you begun a lifelong journey of walking by faith with God? I look back now and I see how God has led in my life. And, and this life of faith is really the most rewarding, exciting life that you can live. Uh, perhaps, perhaps you haven't yet done that. Perhaps you're coming out and you've been weighing this and you've been listening and and uh, perhaps God is speaking to you. Maybe He's opening your heart. I trust that He is. And that you will respond as He reaches out to you. Uh, it may be that, that this is all very new for you. And you, you're not quite, um, you don't know quite to make of it. I want you to tell, that, uh, to tell you that we're here to help you on that journey. We're here to support you. You can, uh, you can contact us uh, through the church office uh, on, on our website and someone would be happy to get together and talk with you if you'd like to work through some of this. Uh, but the, understand this, that there is nothing more exciting and rewarding than to begin a journey of faith with God. I, I think about an experience that uh, I had just last week. Uh, I got a, recall, a call from someone who had been in our con a previous congregation and uh, this uh, person was dying of cancer or somebody they knew was dying of cancer and they're way up in northern Ontario and they said I just wanted to let you know in case you wanted to call this person. His name was Ken. Uh, Ken came out to an alpha course that we had. He wasn't uh, a, a really a an attender, a church attender, uh, but through his wife he came out and we offered an Alpha course. And uh, he had such a great time in Alpha and I, I said, Ken, why don't we sit down sometime and, and talk about this? And uh, so we had an opportunity to do that. I remember uh, it was on a Saturday morning and I said, Ken, what are you making of all of this? All the teaching in Alpha and what God has done through Christ for us. And he looked at me and he said, you know, this makes a lot of sense. And I said, is this something that you want for yourself, Ken? He said, absolutely. And I had the joy and the privilege of sitting down and witnessing uh, the, the Spirit of God working in this dear man's heart, opening him up, 
to launch him in a journey of faith. Uh, had the joy of baptizing him and see him grow in his faith. And so when I heard that he was dying of cancer and very close to death, I had the opportunity last week of contacting him. And uh, from his bed in hospice, he had a, 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 was very bright at the time I called, rehearsed with me his coming to faith in Christ and the hope that he has now that soon will no longer be necessary and the faith that he has now that'll soon not be necessary. And uh, just uh, this week, he was ushered into the presence of the Lord. And, and it was so sweet to hear his, uh, his assurance of his faith and, and what God was doing with him. And so I, I, just, I just want to encourage you, if you have not started in this journey of faith yet, my prayer is for you that, that if God is working, opening your heart, helping you understand who He is and what it takes to come to Him, that you'll respond to that. You see, we just came through Easter uh, weekend. Uh, we celebrated Jesus Christ who died on the cross to take the punishment and the penalty for our sin. And that if... He said, if we put our faith in him, by, that, that he, would, uh, he would save us. He would make right that relationship. He would accept us and forgive us and give us eternal life. And my prayer is, if you have not done that yet, that you would do that with just a simple prayer, inviting, uh, acknowledging your sin before God and the struggle that... Uh, you, you have had rebelling against God and that what he has done for you, you would respond to by putting your faith in that, accepting him and uh, starting this whole new journey. If we can help you with that, please let us know. We would be delighted to sit down and talk with you about that. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the journey that we're all on in life. Uh, Father, I pray that as we, uh, as we, move forward in life, that we would do so with our eyes fixed on you, that you would guide us and lead us, that you would bless our lives as we seek to bring ourselves into uh, under submission to you and your word. And Father, I pray that you would help us uh, through this difficult time of a journey for many people uh, with, with all that's going on with the virus, that you would help and sustain uh, each one of our, uh, our family members here, and Lord, that many people would realize that uh, we need a God in a time like this and that their heart might be opened to him. And so we just pray and ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.